0: Hello and welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to the show. Welcome to the B Major Podcast with Noah Aronson. I am Noah Aronson. I am a recording artist, composer, performer, and intentional mover. I create music and interactive experiences to activate creativity in the mind and body. This podcast is a playground for you to explore the intersection of wellness and creativity. My process involves activating the voice by dropping into the body. I developed this method to help me battle depression and anxiety and now I'm excited to share with you how creativity can be a powerful modality to add to other wellness and healing practices you may have. I call it the Revoice method and all of the music you'll hear on this podcast will be a result of this creative practice. Good, good, good. Each week, you'll hear interviews with practitioners working in the wellness and creativity space, be guided through meditations, and will be invited into my revoice method. It is my belief that we are all quote unquote creatives. And when we can activate our creativity authentically, we can all be happier, healthier, be more joyful. We can all be major. Welcome back, Be Major Friends. Today's episode is called Getting Things Done, and I speak with the author David Allen, who also happened to write a book with the same title. David has become an internationally recognized leader in the productivity movement, and corporations around the world employ his techniques for helping people get things done. As a freelance composer and artist myself, I have struggled a lot over the years to find a workflow and to create routines for myself to make sure that I'm moving forward. It can be challenging for folks who work for themselves to create structure and figure out what to do and when. I have become very attached to my calendar over the years and find that if it's not in the calendar, it just doesn't get done. Even the smallest things like buy shaving cream or call mom now get scheduled. I also add in times to think about things. I may write something like, think about where I want to travel this year. David speaks about the clutter in our minds and that if tasks don't have a place to go, then they wind up building up and cluttering our valuable mindshare. He says that really, we can only hold up to four tasks in our mind at any given time. Most of us have many, many more things swimming through our minds, and for those of us who are engaged in creativity, we need to find ways to clear some of that mental clutter in order to make space for new possibilities. So for me, my calendar has become an essential tool in my creative practice. It may seem counterintuitive, but the structure of a calendar actually creates the space for me to focus on the tasks at hand and be more present in the moment. I'd love to hear about your workflow and how you get things done, and we have made links available to David's work if you're struggling with getting things done and would like a little bit more assistance. The other way that i like to get out of my head and create more space is through intentional movement and dropping into the body. So before my interview with David Allen, let's do a revoice body scan together. If you can, find a place where you can stand or move comfortably for the next five minutes or so as we bring our awareness into our body. Hopefully, this will allow you to be more present for the interview and also for anything else you choose to put your focus on today. Yeah. So let's drop in your practice now. Feel the energy coming up from beneath your feet. How does this beat want to move you right now? Put some attention into your knees. In a way that feels good and healthy and healing and therapeutic for your body. But let the dance really move you. Move the energy upward now to see if we can move that energy into our hips. What does a circular movement? look like in your hips move the energy upwards still into your spine where does this song live in your spine your shoulders, loosen your head, your neck, move your arms, feel it in your full body now, let yourself express your creativity. Start to wind down, coming back to a place of stillness, a place of ease, bringing in breath, and release. Bringing another deep breath in through the body with this newness and release it. It seems ironic that more rules actually can give us more freedom. But that's exactly what my experience has been. Living life with structure and routine may actually allow you to experience more creativity on a daily basis than you ever expected. If you find yourself lacking discipline and struggle to follow through with commitments, consider how perhaps the inability to hold yourself accountable may actually be holding you back from experiencing freedom and joy. If we can't keep a commitment to ourselves, can we truly be trusted to keep a commitment to others? Typically, the things we try to make commitments on are good for us, right? We'll say, I want to go to the gym more. I want to eat better. I want to write that book. I want to try out meditation. Some part of us really wants to be doing those things and knows that it's the right path. But at some point, most of us drop off and go back to our regular patterns. So, as we enter into discussion with David Allen on how to get things done, consider how infusing in daily structure and routine may not be stifling or restrictive but may actually allow you to create more space to live healthier and happier and perhaps you'll discover that the ceiling to your potential is a lot higher than you ever knew. Now find yourself in a comfortable position where you can receive and learn from the interview I had with David Allen. So I am speaking today with David Allen, who is the author of Getting Things Done, or GTD for short, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity. David Allen also has a podcast series called GTD, uh, a book for teens, a workbook. You can find a lot of his information on gettingthingsdone.com, also has a YouTube channel where you can find a lot more information on all of the amazing work that David Allen is doing in the world of accountability and productivity. Um, It's great to have you here. Thank you for, for taking the time.
1: Thanks for the invitation, Noah. Glad to be here, sure.
0: So I think that your work is powerful and the message is needed now more than ever. I'd love to start by just hearing a little bit about your journey and how you came to teach in the way that you do today.
1: I'm gonna take a a very, very long story and make it as short as I can. Okay. (laughs) I've been always interested in sort of the invisible and how it affects the visible. So I've always been fascinated by forms that you could understand and start to apply them. And without having to change too much about yourself, if you apply that form, then it makes things work better, and you have a better life. You have better conditions around you all the time. And you know there was a long path to get to that. Um, I was in a, an intellectual history major in graduate school in Berkeley, California, nineteen sixty-eight. Then decided to hop out of graduate school and try to find my own enlightenment and went into a lot of spiritual and meditative explorations. Uh, Got a black belt in the martial arts and karate and discovered sort of the value of clear space. I'm a big freedom guy. I I, I love the idea of, of not being distracted, but being present and just being available. You know, the mindfulness stuff these days talks about being present. Well, I learned that 50 years ago with getting a black belt in karate. You know, there's a a lot of exercises there where you focus on your breathing and you get present because if you're, you know, if you're jumped by four people in a dark alley, you better be clear and you better not have anything, you know, pulling on your psyche that doesn't that shouldn't be pulling on your psyche. So then after a lot of jobs, I didn't know what I wanted to do. When I grew up, I wound up being a number two guy for a lot of friends who had their own businesses. And then I just go in and help them fix what they were doing and make it better. And then I got bored. Then I go find another job, another friend to help. Then I discovered they pay people to do that. They call them consultants. <laughs> so, so in 1982, I hung out my shingle, Allen Associates, and started to do my own consulting practice. Uh, but I also, because I was so interested in clear space, and my life was getting more complex, and I said, hmm, that's pretty easy to screw up clear space. So I started to cobble together techniques that worked for me To make me feel more in control, more focused, more clarity, more space to think about the right stuff. And the techniques that I discovered that worked, I started to pull those together into kind of a methodology and then turned around and started to use that with my consulting clients. And it turned out produced exactly the same result. Anybody who did the practices that I found got themselves more in control, more focused, more clarity, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. So that became sort of a keynote to the consulting that I was doing, and then a senior guy in a in a big corporation, uh, head of HR, uh, saw what I was doing. He said, gee, David, we need that result in our whole culture. Yeah, can you take what you've done and and frame it into some sort of a seminar format so we can reach a lot of people with the methodology and not just one on one?" So I did, and it was quite successful. It worked. Did a pilot program for a thousand executives and managers at Lockheed in 1983 and 84, and it hit a nerve. And you could have fooled me if you'd told me as an American intellectual history major in Berkeley in 68, that I was going to be in the corporate training world. i go, oh, what, what are you smoking? Oh my God, You know <laughs> who, who, are you, who are you kidding? But it turned out that was the ripest and richest audience for what I had uncovered. And so I wound up then being thrust into the corporate training world. And a lot of my consulting turned into coaching one-on-one with a lot of the senior people in these companies that wanted hands-on desk side. Um, implementation of what I was teaching in the seminar. Hmm. And so literally, I've got a background of thousands of hours, quite literally, thousands of hours of one-on-one with some of the best and brightest, sharpest, busiest people you'd ever meet on the planet, actually implementing and refining the methodology that I'd come up with. But uh, you know, Noah, it took me 25 years to figure out what I'd figured out and that nobody else seemed to have done it the way I did it and that it was bulletproof. You couldn't punch a hole in it. Huh. If you, if you, if you implemented any of these techniques, it produced exactly those same results. I don't care who you are, at what level of life or work or you know, you could be a kid, you could be a CEO, you could be anybody. Huh. Anybody's got a busy, busy life, you know, that wants to stay more on top of the game instead of feeling buried by it, uh, you know, could use this stuff. So at that point, I said, hmm, okay. And then I had some good coaching and some from some good <laughs> business friends around me that said, gee, David, you ought to write the manual, you ought to write the book but oh my god I guess maybe I should so it took me four years from 97 to 2001 when the first edition of Getting Things Done was published to write the book because it took me that long to make sure that this was really right because I'm not a ta-da kind of guy I I had to make sure that this is and I wasn't sure that by the way you could put this methodology into a book I knew you could get it if I hung out with you, Noah, you know, I get two days together and I could sit desk side with you, get you to empty your head, clarify all the stuff, organize the stuff appropriately. I knew you'd get it, but could you get that out of a book? So I didn't know that. So a big milestone for me was 2001, when it was first published, had a, 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 you know, a woman, it was on the shelf in Barnes and Nobles and a woman that weekend emailed me. She said, David, I just bought your book. I just implemented it. It just changed my life. I went, Oh my God. mean it works works, (laughs) at least at least at least somebody can get this out of a book so that's that then that was a big milestone because that sort of opened the door to the possibility of scaling this methodology you know in a much larger way that didn't require me personally to have to be there one-on-one with anybody yeah So that was a big change big change big chapter shift you know in 2000 you know when the it took to, when the book hit paperback in 2003 it really took off and then got translated into 30 languages around the world you know three million copies and so that 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 sort of shifted the <laughs> to a, now a global event of how do i scale this appropriately i didn't know how to do that so that's the the last you know, 10 or 15 years, it's been about how to develop partnerships with, and licensing with people around the world to be able to do this and maintain the quality control of it. So there's a very, very short version of a very long story.
0: So that companies can implement it and be, and make sure that you're, you don't have to be one-on-one independently working with each one of these things, but with each one of the companies, but you know, that they're implementing the the strategies.
1: Right. Right. And, and, you know we've got an incredible network of people around the world you know who've been attracted to this work you know that have their own consulting and training companies and then we just maintain a close relationship with all of those folks and you know there's a big community of practice you know around the world now of people sharing this stuff with lots of folks
0: and, you know, the world has changed a lot in the last 30 years, obviously, uh, and it seems like you're saying that no matter what the new technologies that exist and all of the new softwares that are out there, it sounds like there's a strategy that is just, like, you use the word bulletproof, I love that, that no matter what's happening in the world, these strategies still work.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and in, in hundred years from now, when we fly to Jupiter, you still need an in basket. You still need to capture stuff that's got anybody's attention. You still have to decide in the next actions that you need to happen. You still need to clarify outcomes and projects that need to now get you know formulated and kept track of until they're finished. You still need to step back and reflect and review the whole inventory of all that stuff on some consistent basis. So this is just I, this is not like some new technology or some foreign language. This is how you get stuff done. Right. Well, you should name a book, i getting, getting things done. Is there
0: a software that you've developed or are working on that, that, that would help people do it like digitally?
1: I've tried twice, but what, what I would want for software is too sophisticated for both the price of it and the, and the market interest of it. So neither one of them really took off. But there are, over, there are hundreds of apps out there now that are based upon the GTD, my methodology. Because once they realize, wait a minute, all you need is a list manager. <laughs> so, you know, how easily can you design a list manager? And they, there's lots of them to have different kind of bells and whistles about that. But that's really all you need. You just need some place to keep track of the stuff that you need to be reminded about.
0: I mean, I, I've used calendars and schedules and lists for a long time for myself, but I think that there are sometimes... When, when you put something in the calendar and it, you kind of, it becomes invisible after a while, especially if it's like a repeating thing that you see every day, you, you just kind of stop seeing it. And sure. it, so how do you keep something alive and, and like fresh um, that and, and make sure that it gets done?
1: Well, you have to review it regularly. That's a real critical success factor for this is what we have identified as we call it the weekly review. It might be more, Often than weekly, it might be not quite as often as weekly, but w- pretty much on a standard basis, once a week, you need to go through all that stuff. That's st- is that still real? Is that still a real thing for me? Uh uh-huh. You know, if it's just been there and you've gone unconscious to it, dump it. Get rid of it or, or put it on someday, maybe, you know, list or do something with it, but just get more conscious about your commitments and what you're doing and what, and what should be in your ecosystem.
0: And you, you talk a lot about letting go. And that like a big part of the process is how do you make space for things? Um, I think that that's been a big theme in my own personal life. And I, I think that um, it could work wonders to, uh, you know, the more space you create, the more you possibility you let in. Can you talk about um, your, your theories and teachings around letting go?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, my, my screensaver is let go, let God. So, you know, uh <laughs> no, no better admonition I've ever had that somebody gave me and you know that I've worked with in my life it's so a like let go but letting go that's a tricky business you know how do you what do you let go of right you know and how, and how, and how do you let go and you know you can focus on your breathing but if you still need cat food cat food's going to pop into your head and bother your meditation so how why don't you put cat food on a post-it on the fridge so whoever's going to the store that gets cat food and then you know, make sure it's handled. Ah, now you're appropriately engaged with your cat. <laughs> as soon as it pops, in, and as soon as it pops into your head twice, you've not let go. And in order to in order to let go, you need to appropriately engage. See, getting things done, and here's a big secret. I'm only going to tell you, Noah. So don't tell. cat okay, I will share. Yeah. Don't don't tell don't tell anybody else. But getting things done is not so much about getting things done, as it is about getting appropriately engaged with all the commitments you have and everything that has your attention so that you're present with whatever you're doing. And appropriate engagement doesn't mean you need to finish it. Doesn't mean you need to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and then go buy cat food. You probably couldn't find some place to get it. It does mean that you need to make sure you've tracked that commitment, parked a reminder in some place you or some person you trust will see it at the right time. Then you get to go to sleep, ah, cat food's handled. Yeah, it's not bought yet, but I'm now appropriately engaged with my cat. But appropriate engagement could be, you know, should you get divorced? Should you adopt? Should you hire the vice president? Should you you fix the tooth that hurts? You know, the number of things that people actually have their attention on, and usually what's showing up in people's minds that have their attention are things they are not yet appropriately engaged with. If something occurs to you more than once in your head, that means there's something about it you haven't decided or you haven't parked the results of that decision making and thinking in some appropriate trusted place. So you don't have to go far about how do you start to let go. But let go, yeah. And there is a, you know, there's kind of a spiritual exercise of letting go truly of your thinking, letting go of your emotions, letting go of your physicality, letting go, and that, that you can do at any time. You don't have to do my stuff you, at any time you could you know, release yourself from the materiality of this world. And that materiality can get pretty subtle. You know, that's your, the, the mental thinking, the emotional feelings, the physical stuff, the imaginative stuff, the even the unconscious stuff, right? If you wanna get really, really good at it. So as you probably know, the deep spiritual practices and especially the esoteric ones, even in the Jewish tradition, have a lot to do with that kind of work uh, where you're learning to be very, very conscious about your consciousness and being able to let go of it.
0: I'd love to learn more about your spiritual upbringing. And, you know, you actually mentioned in one of your videos, uh, you use the phrase still small voice, which is a biblical reference from the book of Kings. And I I, I just heard that, that line and realized, oh.
1: Is this- it? I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Oh, I, yeah. I just knew. You know, I, I've used that phrase for years, but I didn't know that was the source.
0: Yeah, it's from the book of Kings. It's uh, like a like a manifestation of God comes to the prophet Elijah and so that that phrase comes out of the um that conversation and um and like listening into the still small voice. Uh and so I I just I was like, oh, is, there may be a spiritual upbringing here that I'd be curious about and wondering if if you can, you know, just, you know, how did you grow up with was was spirituality a piece of your life growing up and is it does it have a place in your life?
1: Not not really. I mean, my mom, you know, had me go to the Presbyterian church, you know, when I was growing up in, in Texas and Louisiana, just to, to, to make sure I had some sort of a background of something. But then I became a Unitarian and I joined the Methodist church because the choir had the prettiest girls in high school. And, <laughs> you know, so and but I always had some sort of an inkling internally, even sometimes just in my own spiritual, even, you know, when I was in church, I was a, a Protestant upbringing. You know, I would in my quiet moments. There would be times there would something would ring a bell, and so I was always fascinated. And again, from the very beginning, as I mentioned to begin with, I've been fascinated by the invisible stuff you can't see, because I sort of caught early on that there was something much bigger than we could see here physically or materially that was essentially defining or refining and and uh, managing essentially, or certainly highly integrated with what we do see and and do materially that there was a relationship between those things and so i was i think that that was my exploration so i got i moved from philosophy to history because i was more interested in the paradigms that the that that different cultures at different times had so it was like hmm, that was an interesting paradigm whatever and again i started to have my own spiritual experiences that were quite profound I didn't know where they came from. So I, that was where one of the reasons I dropped out of graduate school and sort of went on my own exploration journey to see what was that, where did that come from? Hmm. And so learning to listen to which small voice, I mean, we all got a bunch of small voices in there. You know, we've all got a committee in your head (laughs) right and sometimes they're throwing place at each other right so which of those still small voices is the right one to be listening to that's a big that's a big learning
0: process that's a huge question i mean i I think of it as (laughs) as like i mean you're talking about a committee you're right that there's many voices i just i think about like we have our head voice and our heart voice and i wonder if you've kind of given any thought to the difference between the two um you know a
1: lot of Well, well come on there's god's voice Right 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 I so, through so,
0: yeah
1: right your head voice and your heart voice are are subservient to that. Mm. It will probably come through your heart, but it also then will use your head. you know God doesn't really care you know what the instrument is and which one it is and you shouldn't really care where it's coming from, but start to notice if it's there. Now again you're you know I'm not that's not part of the getting things done process other than, hey, start to pay attention to what has your attention. And if what has your attention is something that's going on internally that you don't understand, but it's powerful and it's profound and it's giving you a shift in your focus and making you a, quote, better person. Yeah. Not not because God God's not in the judging business. You know, forgiveness is only what the humans do because God never judged anybody. So you don't, he doesn't need to forgive or she or it doesn't need to forgive anything. right it it just is it's there but you know we need to learn who we are how we are and and you know to your point probably a lot of the stuff you teach and sing about is about how do you let go of yourself yeah so that you're more open to whatever the the, the mess messages yeah make more space
0: that was the primary thing i was i was drawn to your work about because you talk a lot about that making space and and that's the same thing we got to clear our egos and clear that chatter in our mind in order to make space
1: yeah. And, and by the way, I, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a rabbi. I'm not, I'm not out there trying to proselytize anybody to do any of this stuff. Uh, yeah. Just as that, Those are my perspectives. But it, it turns out that I wound up you know, making a career and discovering techniques that had a lot to do with what I consider the two profound or primary sort of the zeros and ones of our material experience, and that's completion and creation. You need to you need to manage where you've put your energy and what you've adopt, what you have uh, assumed and be accountable for everything that you have created. Whether it's I need cat food or I need a life or I need whatever, and you need to be accountable for those things. Not because I said so, not because the universe said so. It's because that is that's the truth. Yeah, you can't of- get away from that. You're going to eat it, you know, or you're going to enjoy it, or you're going to do whatever if you if you've done it, if you put it in motion. So understanding what we have put in motion, I need cat food, should we adopt, should I get divorced, should I hire the vice president, should I fix the tooth, those are things that people, those are commitments that people make with themselves about would, could, shoulds and ought tos. And so they need to understand what are all those things and then how do I appropriately engage with those things I'm committed to because if you don't appropriately engage with them but you still have those commitments, that's what creates the ambient anxiety and the spin That's where it's the source of all the, you know, what I call the, the, you know, GSA of life, the gnawing sense of anxiety, you know, you you, you don't know where, you don't know where it comes from. It just comes from all that stuff. That's like starting to spin and the monkey's just, you know, running around in your head, you know, about all those things. Yeah. But, but to that point, I, I can, I can absolutely guarantee you if you implement the, you know, my methodology of capture, clarify, organize, reflect, and engage. You will get more space. How you use that space is your choice. I don't tell you how to use the space. Some people use it to be more creative. Some people use it to be more strategic. Some people use it to be able to meditate easier and better. But it will create space Space here. How you use that space, if you have a spiritual or, you know, a meditative orientation or reflective orientation, that's going to be quite... It's going to be quite useful to give you more room to be able to do that without having yourself so distracted by all the stuff that you've you know, wrapped yourself around.
0: You you threw out some brilliance very quickly there. And I want you to just repeat, it said something about capture, organize. What was that?
1: Capture, clarify, organize, reflect, and engage the five stages of how you get any situation under control and focused.
0: Capture, clarify. Okay, can you go into those a little bit? Yeah. Sure.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, let's take an example. If you ever walk into your kitchen or cooking area and, and sense that it's out of control, right? If you ever did and you got friends coming over or you need to cook a nice dinner for your family or whatever, what's the first thing you did? Aside from maybe have a drink or call the restaurant so you don't have to eat it at home, right? So the first thing you did was notice what's off. Why is this a mess? Why do I consider this not on cruise control or on automatic? So the first thing you did was notice what's got your attention about the kitchen. there are a lot of things in your kitchen that won't have your attention because they're not off or they are where they need to be, the way they need to be. The
0: refrigerator is where it needs to be, the microwave is where it needs to be, yeah.
1: That's right. But you're gonna notice stuff that's off. That's the capture step, which is recognize what's not on cruise control yet. Step two, what do you do? Well, then you go over and say, oh, that's a dirty dish. Hmm, That's a spice. That's a clean dish. That's good food. That's bad food. You clarify the nature of those things that are off, why they're off. Like, what's the nature of that offness?
0: Hmm.
1: All right. Then what did you do? By the way, that's step two, which is clarify. Step three, which is, well, what are you going to do with the dirty dish? Goes to the dishwasher. Ah. What do you do with the spice goes where the spices go? Ah, step three, organize. Once you decided what these things are, here's where they go so that I don't have attention on them anymore, right? And then step four, reflect. Okay, the kitchen looks okay. Let me step back. What time is it? When are they coming? What am I cooking? Then you go to the refrigerator, pull out butter and start to melt it. You five, step five, engage. So. I didn't make this up. I recognize what you do when things really work. When you're moving into a situation and you want to get clear, but that's how you get your kitchen under control is how you get your company under control is how you get your consciousness under control. So let's step this, why don't people do this automatically? Well, how many things do people have their attention on they they haven't actually captured, right? They got it banging around in their head. Your head's just a really crappy office. You know, I found out 35 years ago, something that cognitive scientists have now proved in the last decade, which is the number of things your head can hold on to in order to appropriately remember, remind, prioritize, and manage relationships is four. That's it. Your brain did not evolve to manage more than four things like that. As soon as you have five, six, seven, eight, twin, or 200, <laughs> you're going to suboptimize optimize your cognitive process. You're not going to be able to think as well. You're not going to be able to take a test as well you're you're going to be waked up at three o'clock in the morning and not sleep as well you're just going to sub-optimize your cognitive capabilities and don't shoot the messenger this is now science data i just discovered that on the street you know with real experience you know with the, the, these techniques about clearing your head so the first step is capture that's like get that stuff out of your head it's, um, yeah. capture <laughs> and, and, and you get you can use these high-tech tools like uh Pen and paper, no <laughs> Wi-Fi required, no battery required. You know, so you know, I've carried a little notepad around with me for thirty-five years in my pocket, and that's where most of the cool, cool ideas and all the stuff I ever think about. I only want that thought once. I have that thought. I gets it onto the little piece of paper, gets into my entry, You know, within 24, 48 hours, anyway, I will pick it up, decide what the heck I'm going to do with it, which is clarify. Oh, that's an action step. Oh, that was a dumb idea. Throw it away whatever, and then organize. I'm going to park. Oh, yeah, that's a reminder. I should call my computer guy. There's one thing, just one of my lists this morning. Oh, yeah, I need to call Yoris. I need to set up a meeting with Yoris, a Zoom meeting to talk about some computer uh, opportunities and issues we have. So I just, I I had that thought once, (laughs) wrote it down, and then I just picked it up to clean up that little piece of paper out of my in tray. said, oh, that's right, Yoris. Next step. Uh, actually, I need to talk to my wife about that. Turns out she was there. It was a two-minute action. So I go talk to Catherine. And I said, she said, hey, you know, come on, let's just, the Zoom meeting is probably fine. Fabulous. So I came back in. And I did that. I know this sounds simple, but most people don't manage all of that stuff they think, well, that was how strategic was that? Well, who cares? I, it's, it's on my mind. It, it, you know, if it's something that needs to be handled, I'm going to handle it as efficiently and effectively as I can, so that I can focus on the strategic stuff.
0: It makes so much sense, and and it's not about being, you know, anal or obsessive. It's actually about clearing more space so that you actually have more freedom and more peace.
1: <laughs> People meet me. Or any of our staff, or any of the, that works with around our stuff, they say, "My God, you're nothing like I thought you were going to be." You know, they read my book and they go, "They, ca- they think I'm anal retentive and buttoned down and yeah. A and and all that." They go, "God, you're nothing like that. I am nothing like that. <laughs> I'm I, I love following my spontaneous, intuitive hunches but doing what I feel like doing. I plan as little as I get by with."
0: It's interesting. I... I
1: that's how I came. That's how I came up with the methodology.
0: Noah <laughs> it was
1: how can I stay that way you know, and still have, you know, afford my, where I live.
0: We, I, I was speaking with my mixing engineer yesterday. Uh, I'm, I'm releasing an album soon. And, uh, and he was telling me that he's a, he's been able to reduce his work, his work uh, week, work week hours from 80 hours a week to 30 hours a week um, because of all of these automation programs that he's uh, implemented into his computer kind of engagement where it now with like a touch of one button, it, it like triggers automation for about 10 different tasks where it'll email specific people. It'll give them the link. It'll put, it'll create a folder. It'll do all these things. And, and it has freed him up so much to now he can spend more time with his kid and his wife. And he, and it's just, he was just kind of trying to explain it to me. And it sounded at first, like, this is crazy. How does someone ever do this? But then you see the result afterwards of, wow, this, this has created so much freedom for him and so much space.
1: Yeah. Well, people often, well, two things. One is productivity has got a lot of bad uh, baggage around it as a word. Everybody thinks, oh, productivity, that means work harder, sweat more, work longer hours, you know, produce more. And to some degree, there, that might be a, a component of it for some people in certain situations. But productivity simply means produce whatever you're after. If you're trying to relax this afternoon and don't relax, that's an unproductive afternoon. You go to a party to have fun, don't have fun, unproductive party. Take a vacation in order to relax and think about other stuff, and you don't, unproductive. So productivity, you know, and I got kind of associated with that idea uh, and uh, understood because I couldn't find a better word. It It really is produce. You're, and by the way, everybody's productive all the time. you're producing exactly what you're getting. You're producing depression, anxiety, fear, mm-hmm. <laughs> happiness, you know, spaghetti, uh, happy kids, you know complaining kids. You, you, everybody's already in the creative process all the time. Mm-hmm. So when I, so when I said you know the, the two key elements for people are completion and creation. So a, a lot of people uh, can't create the way they want to create because there're too many things to complete that are taking up their attention. Yes. And a lot of people can't complete because their creativity is over creating so many things that they that they're they're a mess, they're out of control.
0: Absolutely.
1: So I think you've said it. I, I don't know if you in our preamble, you know, when we were chatting, you know, you're you're into you know, how, how do you get people to 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 focus on sort of the both the creativity aspect and the efficiency aspect, or I don't know, you put it another way. Uh, how, how do people manage their their life so they can be more creative, or be more creative so they can manage their life better? And it's really you know two two sides of the same sword for sure. Absolutely. You know, but but in my experience, most people have over created and not over completed. Yeah. Yeah. You get you get some OCD people that use organization as a way to avoid their creativity. Understood. <laughs> You know, but that's 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 more a minority than the majority. Yeah. Majority of people have just overproduced and over-created and over-involved and over-committed and over-made agreements with themselves and other people. And their their systems are just way behind in terms of catching up with them, uh-huh. in terms of being able to do that. And then that gets in the way of their creativity. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know where that was going, but <laughs> we got
0: I mean, you you talk about um, how some people have the ability, the struggle with the ability to say no to things. That uh, mm-hmm. we want to please others, we want to show people that we're engaged. But you you talk about that it's really important to have the ability and the know-how to to say no to certain things. Um, and like, how do you recommend going about making that decision without hurting someone's feelings? Or you know, sure. or,
1: yeah. Well, first of all, you need to know what all your commitments are. If you don't have a list of all of the projects you've got. A project in our broad definition is anything that one action won't finish that you're committed to complete within the next year or so. Get tires on your car, fix a tooth that hurts, make a decision about hiring somebody, you know, whatever, all those things are. Most people have between 30 and 100 of those projects. If you don't have that list current and complete and clear in front of you, you will always overcommit. I've never seen an exception to that. Because most people don't know what they've committed to. And once they see it, they go, ah, that'll make it much easier to use that two-letter word, you know? And, you know, another just small little courteous tip. One of the best ways to say no is, wow, that's such a cool thing you've asked me to do. I would, you know, that really deserves a lot more attention than I have the bandwidth to give to it right now. You know, can we talk? Can we can 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 you check within a couple of weeks, or can you take a maybe on that, just in case I get some bandwidth on it? But wow, that was really cool. I'm so sorry that I can't handle that right now, just because I have these other. You know, so there's more or less political. You show show excitement. Nice nice ways you can. Oh yeah. Hey, how cool is that? Thank you. You know, thanks for thinking that I could do that. Uh, And I'm sorry I might be disappointing you here, but. I just need to be clear with you because I don't want to make the agreement and not keep it.
0: And there's, I mean, there's people who have the, the FOMO, right? The fear of missing out. So they don't want to say no because there's an opportunity in that and they don't want to miss that opportunity. But you're saying sure. that having the understanding that there's only so much capacity that one person has anything.
1: Yeah, and, 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 and another big tip that nobody actually needs to learn because it's happening automatically. It's just called get older. Grow up. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm at 76. I'm kind of old and cranky now. So, you know, but, but that's, you know, that's the truth. I mean, you'll find out, you know, you live and learn how much you can commit to. But again, most people have no clue about their whole inventory of what they've committed to. And so, you know, it, it all feels overwhelming. And as soon as you can't do one thing that's strategic because you're overwhelmed, it feels it, it, it colors gray your whole world.
0: Right. Everything gets affected by it.
1: Everything gets affected by it. So as opposed to isolating, that's the one thing that I've got my attention on right now. What do I need to do to appropriately engage with that? Maybe I need to renegotiate my agreement with the boss or with my wife partner or whatever about that right. thing. And then once you get appropriately engaged with that, phew, it clears up a lot of space and clears up a lot of the other things. Right. But yeah. if that's not handled, it 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 makes you feel crappy about all of it.
0: Yeah, I was talking with my mother the other day about that, actually, she was overwhelmed with a list of so many things to do, and then she, she took a step back, she kind of preyed on it a little bit, and then she made one decision about one of the things, and then the other ones kind of trickled down and it all kind of fell into place.
1: Yay, good work.
0: Yeah, so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, just one more question, because I, I could I feel like I could talk to you all day about this. This is so such a fascinating topic, and I think it's relevant to so many people because we all are just we're inundated with so much. I mean, not even just work, but there's just so many images thrown at our face, and there's so many there's just so much going on at any given point. So I just I think that the concept of how do we build more space in a modern world is a really um, fascinating conversation. Um, I also really like how you talk about how. We should all have goals, but they should be flexible goals that, like, they're signposts. Um, that they're not necessarily we don't have to be attached to the goal because that the goal is actually there's going to be things along that journey that come along that might also help us on our path.
1: Sure, oh, yeah. Whatever yeah. goal you set right now is only based upon the maturity you are in today. Tomorrow, you'll be smarter.
0: Right? Yeah, it's like we can. Attached. We get attached to the goal and then disappointed if it doesn't get reached. But but you're saying that there's actually it's just like a it's just a signpost that there's things along the way that that might still be leading us in the right direction.
1: Well, you know, it's funny. I have <laughs> a lot of my life I got I never achieved a goal that I set out to, to do. I I set a goal so I could get moving. I looked around and said, what's the best thing I could do given as far as I can see? And I say, oh, that's what I want to do. And then I start marching toward that, but I get a third of the way down and I go, wait a minute. And then I look to the left and go, Ooh, that's really cool over there. You know, I think I'd rather have that than the thing I started at. And so I start moving toward the other thing, but I couldn't have seen that other thing if I hadn't started moving on the first one. Right. So a lot of it, if you know, the old Tom Cruise movie, you know, um, Top Gun. Yeah. You know, if you remember, and he's up there and he freezes and, he, and his commander is going, uh, uh, engage, 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 Maverick, engage, right? A lot of that's a big key mm. is you just need to get involved. And then to your point and to my point, like, don't get too attacked. Don't take yourself too seriously mm-hmm. just use it. use it as a working hypothesis for right now to get you moving and give you some sort of directionality and then be open and willing to adjust when you get smarter, or better data.
0: Yeah. It's so interesting. I do that with my creativity and my music practices, but I'm not necessarily sure I do that with my life and my the choices with, that, with other aspects of my life. So it's, uh, it's really fascinating.
1: Well, uh, you know, it's interesting. It, you know, one of my early, the early, a, a guy early on uh, a musician, uh, Evan Kalbenfeld. I don't know if you know of Evan and he was, he was Aver Levine's guitarist and producer and, boyfriend for a while. Yeah. And, uh, and Evan became a, a huge champion of GTD. And as he was starting to cut his own music with his own group, you know, in LA, it, one of the things he learned was that some of their best ideas showed up when they were working on another piece. Uh-huh. And so they, he just had this big whiteboard or something that he had in his studio. So he said, stop, let's take that idea and write it down. Let's put it up there. Yeah. Don't you lose. And, it, and his, his band got all crazy he said oh my god this is so, uh, he's like
0: not it sounds is, like he's not focused or something
1: yeah yeah this is inefficient said, no not at all and it turned out that then that he was able to produce an album or produce some music you know twice or three times as fast simply because they captured every idea when they had it yeah and not get too invested in what they were doing currently right. when something else richly was showing up in yeah. the process just don't lose it Love it. And then, ha- and then have a way to then manage it and, and curate it, you know, later on.
0: So even in the creative practice, which I think is what wraps this whole interview together, you know, especially because, you know, B major is so much about, you know, getting into our creativity. I think that's the the, the perfect circle um, that even <laughs> our creative practices, we can employ these efficiency tools and productivity tools for getting our creativity done. And it's not, yeah, it, it's a way to, even be more creative and more expressive. It's not gonna, it's not like being, sometimes people think that being organized and being productive is the opposite of being creative, but it sounds sure. like this is the exact opposite. This gives you uh, freedom sure. to be more creative.
1: Well, I you know, because you're in New York, you'll probably appreciate it. You know, one of my biggest champions and he published, he publicized it for months so I can say it freely is Howard Stern. And he would tell you GTD changed his life. Yeah. You know, he was a he was up to up to his eyeballs with trying to manage serious radio and all of his businesses as well as his entertainment, you know, and, and all that other stuff. So he was about to, you know, shut a lot of that down. And then he ran across, he got coached by one of our coaches. And it's like like, oh my God, suddenly the world opened. So he's he's still doing all his businesses, whatever, and hasn't that time to learn to paint, which he'd always wanted to do. Hmm. So so anybody who's a Howard stern fan. that's Cain. amazing that very 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 creative guy by the way and very smart and a lot more a lot softer than most people would think yeah. how it really is
0: yeah i've seen that in interviews of him um but i just love that the result of his his hitting his max stress level with thinking he had too much going on was actually being able to have more time to paint and still get all the other things done that's that's amazing
1: well you know the funny thing, though, is that the people most attracted to this methodology are the people who need it the least. They're already the most productive, aspirational, creative, positively focused people because they already know a the value of a system and organization. They already know they can produce value if they had more room and more space because they already they've already produced a lot, right And very hungry for more space to produce the next cool thing that they know they could do if they had it. So that's been the grace of my professional careers is running across some of the coolest people you'd ever meet, you know, who you would think would never need any more productivity because by anybody's standards, they would be considered some of the most productive people you ever met, Hmm. but they're, they're often the hungriest.
0: Well, David, it's been such a joy spending this time together and learning from you. And uh, I, I was excited about this interview, and now I understand why I was so excited because it's, there's so much uh, possibility. And you're you're getting uh, the wheels turning in my mind for how I could uh, employ some of these productivity tools and learn more from you.
1: You're you're an open guy with good questions, you know, so that that makes it easier for me to. To, to spout off.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so much, there's so much coming forth from you, and there's so much emerging out of you. So it, there's again, we could go on for hours, but uh, I just uh, am grateful that you're here. Once again, we're speaking with David Allen, who's the author of Getting Things Done, uh, and he has a podcast called GTD, and uh, you can go to gettingthingsdone.com and find out a lot more about uh, David's powerful work in the art of stress-free productivity. Again, David, thank you so, so much for being here, for taking the time, and for uh, opening up about some of these things.
1: Thanks, Noah. God bless.
0: Yes, you too. Thank you once again to David Allen for taking the time to speak with me today. You can learn more about David and his work by visiting the B Major website where we have included his full bio and links to his work. We've once again come to the end of our show. I hope that this episode gave you some more meaningful insights into the creative process and gave you tools for helping you activate the creativity within. As always, I want to remind you that you are creative and that the world needs your creative voice. If you're wanting to activate more of your authentic voice, you can purchase my six-part revoice series through the Group Song platform. Visit groupsong.com and that's groupsong g r p s n g so groupsong without the vowels.com. In that series, I take you on a journey for activating your voice through different movement and meditation practices. Make sure you're also subscribed to my YouTube channel to see excerpts from my spontaneous creativity sessions, and are also following me on Instagram and Spotify for all the latest music and information about upcoming live events. If you have any feedback on how we can make these podcasts more effective and informative, please reach out to us at at infonoaharonson.com or send a message to us on Instagram at BmajorCo. Looking forward. To continuing our journey at the meeting point of creativity and wellness, right here on the B Major Podcast next week. And remember that we can always be happier, be healthier, be more creative. We can all be major.